Sick Harrison Price for Thursday, February 15th, 2024. Coming to you from the Go Goat Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. Heading to a game, why don't you extend your game night, make it a staycation? Book the Sick Harrison Price right here at the wall. Call them 604 331 1000. Some blackout dates may apply. Matt Sikaris alongside Blake Price, Grace Sass, hitting switches, conducting things with Madison Buckingham. Big show coming up, and it's all brought to you by Applewood Auto. Group. Applewood Kia in Langley has the 2024 Kia Nero EV and EV6. And with those, you get the complimentary EV chargers or complimentary set of winter tires. That's all thanks to Kia Canada. So go check it all out. Applewood Kia in Langley. It's all good. At Applewood. Poll question today, will there be vengeance in Thursday's Red Wings-Canucks game? Yes or no? You can vote at Sikerson Price on Twitter and YouTube. We asked this after the Nikita Zadorov hit on Lucas Raymond. A two-game suspension followed. Uh, some fisticuffs and fiery stuff after that hit in the hockey game. And then Jake Wallman scoring and doing the gritty dance, and we're still waiting for the code to get back to us to let us know mm-hmm. whether that is a great offense, summary conviction, you know, summary crown, we'll see. Um, anyways, could be spicy at Rogers Arena. Although I voted no because the Red Wings need the points, and more often than not, these things are overblown anyways. The My vote is no as well, and now we have an additional reason why that is oh, the case. do we ever. There's a lack of personnel to exact any vengeance. So let's get to today's uh, top story. Dakota Joshua, fresh off a career game against Chicago where he has three points and the Canucks' first Gordie Howe hat trick since Tanner Pearson. Will miss tonight's game. It's an upper body injury, feared a hand injury from the fight he got into with Mackenzie Entwistle the end of the Blackhawks game on Tuesday, sticking up for Connor Garland. Uh, Rick Tockett, head coach of the Canucks, confirming, yes, he does believe the injury was sustained during the fight. Ilya Mikheyev will skate on that fantastic third line with Teddy Bluger and Connor Garland. This get Nils Oman back up and centering the fourth line. Uh, but what a terrible break, mm-hmm. and I, I hope, hope I'm yeah. not using that word uh, with a double entendre. What a terrible break for Dakota Joshua, who was having this marvelous season and was the best player on the ice Tuesday, um, to be missing this game. Yeah, and you know he does so because Connor Garland is dumped in that Detroit game or in that Chicago game, pardon me, and Joshua sticks up for his teammate. Um, but Garland, Garland said he owed him dinner after the game. Yeah. He owes him more than that now. And in a vacuum, it seems like a uh, a really nice thing to do for a teammate. Yeah. Send him a send a message. But if it ends up costing you games, and well, let's, we, we, and for the Canucks' sake, let's hope it's not plural. If it's a singular game, uh, or whatever, you can probably get through a single mm-hmm. game. But my goodness, this line has gone from good to great to freaking outstanding yeah. here. <laughs> and this is really the last thing the Vancouver Canucks need. That line single-handedly won them the game versus the Chicago Blackhawks. And the guy who gets his first career three-point game now has to sit because of hockey code of, no, got to go exact well, some measure hey, on the other at guy. At least they have Connor Garland's honor, right? Or his back, or and speaking of the Gordie Howe hat trick, first from Tanner Pearson. Let's hope the Canucks handle this hand injury better than Tanner Pearson's. Oh gosh, 
Yeah, I mean, you got to be careful what you wish for here in today's National Hockey League. I mean, we've now sacrificed the quote-unquote goon for guys who can play but also provide toughness, like Dakota Joshua. But the problem is when they can play, you value their play. (laughs) You know, you want them to play. Um, Dakota Joshua will be very handy in the playoffs because he can play a stiff game. There's no fighting in the playoffs. There's just stiff games. So he'll be perfect. So, you you know, maybe just start to play your playoff hockey now and don't get sidetracked by shenanigans that can injure key players when you need them the most. Big opportunity, Ilya Mikheyev, who is in a dreadful slump. How do you see him fitting on what has been a fabulous line with Bluger and Garland? Uh, I mean, he's a pro. He attends to details well. So, you know, I, I think he'll be fine. Um, chemistry is a, a funny thing, though. It's a fickle thing. You know, what what you see on paper from Joshua Garland and Bluger doesn't match what they are doing. Like, on paper, they shouldn't be as good as they are, but they, they are as good as they are because it just works. So McKay will be in tough to sort of replicate that level of chemistry. But he's a good player, and he's got good instincts, and, you know, he's been a little bit snake-bitten and, of course, battling this comeback from – from the uh, knee surgery, so he's not as sprightly as he normally is. Hasn't scored in 22. Yeah, it's too long. I mean, this is too long. That's more than a quarter of the season. So this is the opportunity that he absolutely has to take advantage of, dig himself out of this funk, because one of the questions I find myself wondering, and you and Jeff were early on this, I'll give you credit, I thought, hey, he's in a bad slump. He was a player of this management group, specifically sought out and paid handsomely in free agency a year ago, July. Uh, But I still considered him as factoring into the big picture with the Vancouver Canucks. I drew a distinction between his play, Andre Kuzmenko's play, how it would jive with this head coach in the here and now and in the future. Now I'm wondering, Blake, do they have to upgrade McKayef? By the deadline. Um, well, I, this, this is it an upgrade at that position, or is it using that cap space for the defense? Both. Well, I don't know. If there's enough cap space there either, to go around. But either, yeah. And it's it's quite possible. It's mm-hmm. quite possible. I, I, of course, the other guy who could nip at his heels in his playing time would be Phil Kessel, which we'll get to in a moment. But yeah, uh, McCaff played 15 minutes, actually almost 16 minutes against Chicago. He played 13 minutes against Washington. This coming out, coming off nine and a half minutes against Detroit. That was a season low, and you've seen him tumble down the lineup here, no longer playing with Elias Pettersson, found himself on a fourth line, uh, did get an assist in that Detroit game, and has nine shots in the five games through February here, but this is an opportunity that I think Ilya Mikheyev has to. Because the other thing about Mikheyev is, I think like Kuzmenko, he has some value on the trade market. Like, I think there are other teams out there that look at the size, look at the speed, and yeah, it's not all the way back. Look at a penalty killer, and he's not all that old, and think, this guy can play for us. This guy can be a part of our program over the next few years. So you're getting to the point where you uh, 
may watch the value drop out if he continues to struggle much uh, much beyond where we're at now. But I think the news is, is too far and wide now. Despite the numbers being respectable, the fact that if, if he was still really fast and had these numbers, I think you absolutely get interest. But I think word is out. He's not fast anymore. All these great metrics now that the NHL's released, yep. he appears on none of the, the top 100 speed sort of uh, bursts. Right. I mean, word is out. He's not the fast guy that he was. It does take time to get, come back from the ACL, and, and, so he's totally. a potential rehabilitation project. But He might get it back, but it's yeah. not there now. So I, I think if you're an acquiring team, you're pretty pretty cautious about that. All right. Let's get on to Phil Kessel here, who incidentally is the uh, does have an Ironman streak going. Failed to mention this yesterday. 1,064 games for Kessel. We talked about this with Frank Corrado, that you look his hockey DB page, all you see is 82 down the left-hand column, except for the interrupted years, pandemic and otherwise, and he played all those games as well. I think he's ready so, for that to end, though. I think he knows that's over. Well, and it would seem like Phil Kessel might still be a ways from Vancouver. Yeah. Rick Tockett saying at Rogers Arena this morning he needs to go to Abbotsford for, quote, a while. There was video yesterday of him skating at Abbey Center, uh, courtesy of CTV News. He did not look particularly great. He hasn't played in 10 months. Here's Jeff Patterson. Just watched a chunk of the raw video of Kessel from this morning, yesterday morning in Abbotsford. Very much looked like veteran who's been away from the game for a while. Not the finished product, but some serious struggles. Didn't do himself favors. Drills. He like it looked like his pants weren't fully done up per se, so he looked a little bit wider than I think he maybe could have. I I think most of that was just he was a little disheveled. He was a little unkempt. Well, he's always disheveled and yeah. unkempt. Isn't that part of his charm? Like we talked you, about. He's kind of a throwback. If guy. you're on to, on YouTube looking at it, I mean that's yeah. you know, he's not exactly done up there, so he looks wider, he looks puffier <laughs> than I think he probably could have. Yeah. So he didn't do himself any PR favors there. But yeah, I mean bent over a lot and hey, given the time off and you know, given what we've seen from other players coming off coming back from injuries or pseudo retirements, and, and jumping back, like, this is normal. The question is, is it useful for the Canucks yeah. for them to monitor a guy like this for, for a couple of weeks? And certainly, uh, you know, a uh, an AHL PTO or even an AHL contract in and of itself is a possibility before they actually pull the trigger on an NHL contract. There's no hurry. There's, yeah, I don't know about that. I uh, I would think his agent is directing him to a place that intends to send, assign him to an NHL deal. Now, Tockett characterized it as a look this morning, but I do think the Vancouver Canucks are hopeful that Phil Kessel looks good enough to sign to an NHL contract. I, in fact, I wouldn't even be surprised if they're already at terms with Kessel's agent and are just waiting to see how he looks here this week. But again, I think they're hopeful that he looks good enough to sign. Well, of course. Well, that's why he's there. But I'm, I'm saying to get him into a handful of AHL games, there are there's paperwork to do there. So we'll see if that paperwork happens. There's two games at home versus Calgary for, for the Abbey Canucks this weekend. So that lines up well. Doesn't even have to leave the lower mainland, which is attractive, I'm sure, for the NHL player. 
Um, I'm sure in his mind's eye, he was thinking, I'll play those two games and I'll be good to go. But that'll be up to Canucks management to decide if that is the case or if he needs to play more. Darren Drager saying on Overdrive yesterday that there's three to four teams in the mix potentially that will want to sign him if the Canucks don't want to. And just for the people reading in too much to that clip, it's his first organized practice yeah, in a say. while here. Yeah. In, yeah. In if he looks months. like that in a week or so, then okay, there's going to be issue, but come on, first time back. Well, more on his fitness level in a second, but first, J-Pat writing for Canucks Army and got my new Canucks Har- ah, Army that. hoodie yes. on. Very nice. Blake, thank you to our folks who sent me one. Um, Jeff wonders where the fit is roster-wise here with the club. Now, who knows? This Dakota Joshua injury, if it's serious, might might solve all this. Yeah. But And Jeff wonders, are you okay losing a DiGiuseppe in Oman or a Lafferty on waivers to make room for Kessel? Um, for me, not Oman. Um, I think Oman factors as a, a centerman, as a penalty killer, as cheap labor for next year, he's under contract, 825. I think both those players are very useful depth in the playoffs. Yeah, Di Giuseppe's under contract next year, too, at 775. So who knows? Someone may take a crack on him, much like the Canucks did. Lafferty's a 1.1 million guy. He's a UFA to B, but he can play center, and he's got wheels on a team heavy. that doesn't have. And he's yeah, heavy. and he's like, a bigger guy. So um, for me, if I have to make room, well, first of all, you have to feel like Kessel's an upgrade. If you feel like Kessel's an upgrade, for me, the guy I would risk losing is Phil DiGiuseppe, even though he might be the best of that trio in terms of playoff-style hockey. The difference is, is I mean, you get pretty late on the waiver wire because I don't think in a, like, a, like a team rebuilding, a younger team, I don't think they're picking them up. I mean, it could just be a body to get you to the finish line if you're a Chicago Blackhawk team or something like that. But I don't think PDG at his age is going to be a huge guy in demand. That would be my guess. Mm-hmm. No, I I wouldn't think so either. But all it takes is one. Lafferty got some headlines this season, so I you know mm-hmm. I, I I think that he would get claimed. And Nils Lamont at his age, well, Lafferty uh, went for something last year at yeah. the deadline with Toronto. If you yeah. remember that deal with the Leafs, and, and the, his his goals at the start of the season got him some notoriety. Yeah. So I, I I think he gets claimed, and so does Lamont. This from former Vancouver Canucks executive Jonathan Wall who tweeted last night, I'm sure this story is out there somewhere, but I remember watching players gut out the skating beep test. The test is brutal and buckles many elite athletes. I overheard that the best ever at the test, Phil Kessel, Mm. he beat the test. There were no more stages left. Yeah, I mean, this goes a little bit to what we talked about with Frank Corrado yesterday, if you missed it. I mean, he's, he's got a strange ability... You know, for the story Frank told you, uh, yesterday, if you missed it, folks, was you know, like on summer vacation, guys would be working out nonstop. He'd go away for a few weeks to go to the beach. He'd come back, and he'd still be lifting stronger and better than yes. than the other guys that were that never left the gym. So I believe it was fishing, not the beach. If you look at his complexion, that's definitely a fisher probably, and not a beachgoer. Yeah. But the, the uh, story stands. Um, now, eventually that goes away. Speaking for well, that's it. You know, there's some athletes that just come out of the womb with natural strength or yeah. natural speed or gifts that just can't really be explained. They, it's not that necessarily that they worked 
on them or anything like that. But time waits for nobody. Oh, it's father time undefeated. So eventually that metabolism, that ability to bounce back, eventually it disappears for us all. Um, has Phil reached that? Hey, I mean, Matt Sundin was a specimen in his time. You remember what that looked like? God, it looked like he had been showered oh by a goodness. fire hose after the first period. As somebody who covered Sundin during the height of his career um, 10 years earlier, eight years before his tour here with the Vancouver Canucks, hardly recognized the guy. Right. He looks so aged. And, and the good thing about it is Matt's knew he wasn't trying to fool anyone. You remember how short those shifts were early in his Canucks tenure? Like, like 17 o- seconds. Only Nikita Trampkin yes. did yes. shorter shifts than Matt Sundin yeah. when he first got It was here. like he like, went and like, oh, here's Big Sundin over the boards. He touched the four offside dots and get right on yeah, exactly. off, off the ice. Yeah. Oh, pass it over to Matt. He dumped it in and went for a change. Shift length. <laughs> 13 seconds. <laughs> it was comical. We made comments on it. It was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, Jonathan Lekramaki, Canucks prospect, and look, one that I'm sure that other teams are asking for, for the bigger name trades here in advance of deadline. First round pick from a couple of years ago, world junior MVP, and he's got his first multi-goal game in the Swedish league today, including an absolutely dazzling goal. And, you know, I read a a deeper dive on Lekramaki here recently, if I'm not mistaken, with Scott Wheeler on the athletic from the athletic and talked about, he's more than a one trick pony. Now that offensively prior to this season, he was very much a, you know, shooter, great shot, score a lot of goals from certain areas that now he's getting a little more inside, that he's got a more diversified game, that he's creating as much as scoring. And uh, we see some of that, and plus the confidence you can tell is really coursing through the young man after a fantastic showing, MVP at the World Juniors. Uh, That video we showed on the YouTube side, courtesy of Sport Canelan. What do you think? Do you think he's untouchable as far as the Canucks are concerned, or does all in mean all in and for the right deal? Lekramaki. I mean, could be moved. He's done everything he needs to do to remain a top prospect for this team uh, after a, a bit of a speed wobble post draft, of course. Um, and yet, when I watch some of those highlights, he doesn't look like Patrick Lyonet at that age. I'll, I'll say that. Well, Lyonet's a huge man. Like, what are you talking about? Just like, the, like, hey, the goals are going in. You can't argue with it. He's, he is scoring from distance, but I, I don't know that I want. And again, I'm judging from afar, watching on highlights. Uh, very few score from distance in the NHL. Yeah. Like, so if your if your question w- is, can he be the rare distance scorer in the NHL? The hedge is no. Is he a is he a special goal scorer? And I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know that based on the video that we have access to and and what we've seen at the World Juniors and all that sort of stuff. I don't know that I've seen the, and again, that doesn't mean that's the final definitive word, but based on the information that I, I don't know that I've seen like a, just a, a special, special thing. You'd hate to lose it. Cause again, he's still a top prospect, not debating that in the least. Um, but there, there is still that level above. There's the Connor Bedard level that's above and he's, he's nowhere near that, you know? So it, it, 
For me, if okay, let me ask. Let me throw turn it around. Okay, the 2025 first or Lekromaki? The 2025 first. It's further away. Yeah, but Wheelander Lekromaki. I think I would want to keep Wheelander. Yeah, and again, he's just because of the right shot profile of defenseman. He's a sublime skater, and he's not projected as a number one defenseman. No. No. So you got to, you know, maintain the, the, the proper perspective there, too. But I agree, he's still the rarer commodity, I think. I would feel better about my ability to go out and replace goals yeah. down the road than I would feel about replacing top four right shot minutes. Yeah. Right side minutes. Mm-hmm. And to me, he, he strikes me as a guy that could be a little bit like Besser, like a goal scorer for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but not necessarily yeah. a guy that's the speed be- isn't dazzling here. That's although right. he skates, fa- yeah, he's like there, there's just there's it's probably no, better in best. There's not one jaw dropping element necessarily to his mm. game. Like his, his shot's good. His shot's good. But I don't know if yeah. it's I, mean, yeah. I don't know if it's a laser beam. I think I'd be. I think I'm a little higher on the shot and some of the dangles than you are with him. But I understand where you're going. And I want to repeat. Level of I'm not down on him. I'm just saying mm-hmm. there are levels of excitement, and and mine is yeah. Well, and the other thing, and the 10, reason we're, we're going through this exercise, folks, is you have to have a critical eye with your own guys. You got to make tough decisions. You have to make tough because decisions. Because there are yeah. some really difficult decisions that are going to affect not only the immediate future of the Vancouver Canucks, but the near and long-term future of the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. And it is incumbent on Jim Rutherford, Patrick Alvin, and their fleet of scouts and evaluators to have these sorts of discussions before a trade deadline. Because you never know. You could wake up on the morning of trade deadline and suddenly somebody is available who you didn't think would be available, you didn't think you have a chance at, who can improve your hockey team, but the ask is big. And the ask is big because it's a difference-making player. Speaking of, Jake Gensel. Here's why you get your business done early, folks. Jake Gensel missed the final 12 minutes of the Penguins' loss to the Florida Panthers on Wednesday night. So you're looking at potentially the premium player, the premium winger, available on the trade deadline being hurt at this point. Upper body injury. We'll see where that goes. But the Penguins, with that loss, continue to languish. And you tell me whether you think they're still in it There's also a school of thought now that Pittsburgh may not want to sell off at the deadline just because San Jose owns their first-round pick and they don't want to go through the indignity of watching a potential lottery-winning pick slide to the San Jose Sharks. Wouldn't that be a story? I mean, it's not going to be a top-odds pick, but it could slip into the lottery for sure. It would give San Jose two cracks, right? Anyways... We'll see where the Gensel injury... Last I saw, he was off to be evaluated. Upper body injury. I saw some Penn's Twitter explosions of, okay, it's it's over, let's sell off, let's liquidate. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty packed still in the Metro, but they are seventh of eight teams. The Pittsburgh Penguins are next to last in that competitive... Metropolitan Division. They do have games in hand on on everybody above them, but it's just it's a sight to see to see Sidney Crosby's Penguins seventh place in the division. 
It's a little odd. I was explaining to my parents yesterday because, I mean, they follow hockey, but not all that closely. Uh, they asked me about Sidney Crosby, and I said, well, there could be a really big decision coming down with Sidney Crosby. But I go, uh, he hasn't made it out of the first round in six years. They're like, really? Yeah, that's how long it's been. And I don't get it. From, it has been a crashing. I don't get it from club, and, and I know people like there. It's, this is, this thought is always shot down. He's retiring as a penguin. He's retiring as a penguin. I personally, from the player and club perspective, don't understand it. Like, I don't think anybody begrudges the Bruins for Ray Bork playing in Colorado. I, I don't think anybody begrudges the Bruins again for Bobby Orr playing in Chicago. Or anything wow. like, Would you begrudge the Canucks for Hank and Danny playing elsewhere? Um... Given the the losing, like given the losing that we saw, like let, let's say like two years previous to their, no, 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 like if that would have no, catapulted, I, uh, if that would have catapulted the the Canucks rebuild mm-hmm. further, no, I wouldn't. It's have submitting to a competitive disadvantage because the alternative is you trade the player and you get assets back that help you long term. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's now it, it's if a you terrible... negotiate no trade clauses, no movement clauses, and the player says. I don't want to go anywhere. Yeah, then I understand it. Yeah, totally. But I, but it, then again, from the player's perspective, if you're Sidney Crosby, he's a, who's a very smart guy. He knows he's not winning a cup there. Not in the next. I mean, if, if he hangs on for five years, four years, maybe yeah. he can win. A, and that's in part because Rutherford sold the farm to keep yeah. that going. So he knows that deep mm-hmm. down, Sidney Crosby knows that, and some guys are okay just riding it out in the sunset and sort of taking the minor victories. Can we make it to the playoffs again? Some guys are okay with that; they've won the cup. But if you do, if the if the goal deep inside Sidney Crosby is to win one last cup before he retires, it's not happening there. I'm going to invoke invoke the, hey, everybody can be traded. Wayne Gretzky was traded, but I don't mean the Edmonton L.A. deal. We're both old enough to remember Wayne Gretzky is the St. Louis Blue. Yeah. For the playoff drive one year, right? That's right. He was a a trade deadline fodder. He was a trade deadline St. Louis Blue. His wife, Janet, is from St. Louis. They were those god-awful UDs with the red stripe. Red Hall was there. Yeah. And he was in St. Louis for a minute, and then he was off to Broadway to finish his career. So weird. Four teams Yeah, for the great one, number nine. And as you mentioned, two teams for – Number four, Bobby Orr. But Pittsburgh, you know, 66 was only a penguin. And it's a very American thing, I think, to try and hold on to the player for, uh, I shouldn't say it's American. It's a very NHL thing mm-hmm. to try and hold on to the player f- for the entirety of the career because it looks great on the back of the hockey card. But really for. Well, and also because you have people who feel emotion and sentimentality towards the player. Completely. At that level. But, so it's a community thing on top of. But playing playing eight seasons and moving on is a little mm-hmm. bit different than playing, you know, whatever it is, 16, 17 seasons. And move, like the, 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 the bond is not going anywhere. You'll still have the bond. Uh, more on the trade deadline front. Some reporting from Michael Gallagher in Nashville. I've heard that the UC Soros Pred situation is a little more serious than, quote, just taking calls at this point. Barry Trotz went on local radio in Nashville and said, quote, me and Tom Fitzgerald talk all the time with goaltending. He always circles back and go, and I go, this is what we need if we do something like that. I don't need a goaltender. He does. 
So Barry Trotz, new GM, openly talking that one of his counterparts is calling on UC Soros. I wonder if that's a violation of GM code. Yeah. Anyways, we we knew New Jersey. He's a new GM, remember. Two new GMs, kind of. Well, Fitzgerald's been there a while. He's been re-signed. New Jersey sniff around Jacob Markstrom and UC Soros. Meanwhile, it sounds like Colorado is interested in Jake Allen, the Montreal goaltender, but of course that would be uh, more insurance than frontline starter. My question for you, and we talked a little bit about this yesterday, are we going to see two goaltender trades like Blockbuster, Saros, and Markstrom? You don't see those a lot at trade deadline. No. Ryan Miller comes to mind way back when, going from Buffalo again to St. Louis, but you don't tend to see frontline goaltenders. Kevin Woodley thinks Jacob Markstrom should win the Vezina this year based on clear sight analytics and, and the work Goals of, uh, saves above saves expected. Above ex- expected. Yeah. And speaking of uh, ESPN goaltender rankings today with Greg Wyshynski, Thatcher Demko comes in third yeah. behind Vasilevsky and Connor Hellebuck. Um, I would love to go back in time and see how many times a traded goalie at the deadline um, makes a makes a notable difference. Not wins the Grady, cup. goalie guy Grady. Does anyone jump immediately to mind? Goaltender. Notable trade deadline acquisition, and not like a December trade deadline. Like I, I can't think of too many. Because usually it's a bit of a desperation move. Oh, crap, our guy isn't good. Or, oh, crap, our guy just got injured. And you kind of just settle, I think, more than anything. I'm going back to Dwayne Rollison going to the Oilers, the 06 Stanley Cup. Was that a deadline? Was that a deadline move? I can't remember. I mean, in the month of February, I'm fine with, but. Just before then, I don't know. Ryan Miller was... Yeah. But he did not play well in St. Louis. That did no. not work out. No. As I recall. That's sort of my feeling is that it does. It rarely works out. So, yeah, that'll be interesting if, if they, if they pull it off. When did Flurry get traded from the Blackhawks? Well, Flurry again to the Wild was late too, wasn't it? Yeah, you're stumping me. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's a little... Uncustomary, and we th- hey, we thought LA was going to be in on something. We thought maybe Edmonton was going to be in, in on something, but with Halibut's win last night, and if you saw that stat too, uh, games above 900 save percentage so far this season. Uh, Demko was number two behind Halibut on that list. Uh, Stuart Skinner was like number five on that list. Mm. He's ended up being something for the Oilers, so they're off that list. Remember, Ben Bishop went to the Kings from the Lightning yeah. when they had Vasilevsky. Yeah, but. I don't even know if the Kings made the playoffs that year. Ben Bishop could have been a monster. He, he was a monster, and oh, he was amongst was the ever. top goalies in the league. If he didn't have injury issues, he would have been great kid, too. Oh. He was always smiling in dressing rooms. Um, uh, He was on that St. Louis team that the Canucks beat in 08 or 09, as this, as, I want to say as the third goaltender. Was it? Yeah, he was yeah. up and coming. Yeah, that's right. Um, the deadest man walking in the National Hockey League is now dead. Mm. Metaphorically speaking, of course, Yarmo Kekalainen fired as the general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Everybody in the world knew this was coming. Knew this was coming because the Blue Jackets have been putrid and he has had several opportunities to execute a plan and has failed. Botched the coaching thing this year, too. Then he botched the Mike Babcock thing this year. Ownership put out a statement on the eve of the season saying we're not making changes now just because it's the start of the season, which effectively told Kekalainen, you're done. It's only a matter of time. Well, 
John Davidson, the president there in Columbus, is going to handle GM duties alongside the staff internally for the moment, but says they will look outside the building for Kekalainen's replacement. Darren Dreger is also already speculating that perhaps Jeff Gorton, the Montreal Canadiens president of hockey operations, would reunite with Davidson. They work together in New York with the Rangers, saying that Gorton is a GM at heart and that Kent Hughes is doing a lot of the uh, lifting in Montreal. That's the other thing we got to praise the Canucks for. I mean, because nothing has seeped out to suggest that Rutherford and Alvin aren't on the same page and that there are no egos, egos out of joint here, right? Because I read that from Dreger and I went, hmm, I wonder if Gordon's a little out of joint here. Maybe. Anyways. The fact that, yeah, he's even bringing it up. I mean, yeah. you believe there's some well, flames. And, you know, now, because we've been spending a lot of time talking trade deadline and potential trades, you may remember that Columbus was the very first team, like a week or two into the season, after yet another dreadful start, where we were talking about a sell-off there. Jack Roslevic is the one UFA, Andrew Peake, Adam Boquist on defense, Elvis Merzlikens has openly said, I want to trade. So you wonder whether John Davidson and this ad hoc GM by committee staff of his now finally gets to the business of making some of these trades. And is there someone there for the Canucks? Oh, boy. Because we've had that discussion several times this yeah, year. Yeah, there's some depth players. Uh, if they are nibbling around the edges, I don't think there's a uh, any of the top four, top six options that we've been talking about, but around the edges, perhaps. Okay, let's get to today's menu. Big Show, as uh, mentioned, coming up. Uh, Welcome at Falls on the podcast side. We will talk to Patrick Johnson of the province and Post Media on all the relevant topics. Bad Blood, Castle, this third line. Uh, Chris Tanef gets to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter featuring Tiger Woods Mm -hmm. and a golf voice for the ages. Rob Williams is going to join us. Costco was trending yesterday in Vancouver. Oh, why could that be? There was a Canucks tie-in and not just because it's across the street from Rogers Arena. And uh, we'll talk some football as well with the BC Lions continuing CFL free agency and a terrible, terrible scene and event in Kansas City Yeah, Wednesday. Best bets, a presentation of sports interaction, your homegrown sportsbook and casino. Uh, where are you going? Uh, I'm going rather pedestrian well, today myself. I was, I was digging around the menu yeah. and an interesting prop on the NHL specials tab. Oh, okay. Over under one and a half trades by the Leafs. Now, I'd sure like to see this prop for other teams as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm taking the over because new GM there, Brad Tree Living, right? Probably wants to fashion his own team. Yep. Right on the playoff bar, fighting for it. Upward mobility. So I'm going to say more than one and a half trades for the Leafs from this point forward. I'm going over. It pays 180. I was uh, planning on going Layla Annie Fernandez's way in the semifinal in Qatar, but she lost in the quarters. Nice run, though, for Leila Annie Fernandez. Yeah, I guess. You saw Rebecca Marino won a little challenger event Oh, uh, I did not. Too. Oh, good for her. Yeah. Um, anyway, the uh, Arizona Coyotes, they're back up against the wall. If they think they are still in the playoff race, they... Well, they lost to Minnesota last night, did they not? They best keep winning, or start winning, at the very least. 
Uh, have visiting Carolina Hurricanes tomorrow. It's 255 straight up on the hometown Coyotes. And how often will we be able to say that going forward right. at Mullet Arena? 255 on the Yotes tomorrow versus Yeah, they lost uh, 3-1 to Minnesota in uh, a battle of teams just barely clinging on mm-hmm. to Western Conference wildcard hope. And that is Must our be best fun. bets, brought to you by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook and casino. they got props that speak to the Vancouver sports fan, plus the best-in-class casino with thousands of games and live dealers. It's Sports Interaction. Bet local, must be 19 years of age. Please play responsibly. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect... And I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the Bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here, right now. Rick Tockett, a healthy Thatcher Demko, getting much-deserved credit. But when looking for catalysts of this Canucks turnaround, this amazing Canucks turnaround, don't sleep on Philip. Ronick. The defenseman is having a superior season here, a major reason why Vancouver goes from bottom third club to best in the league. We're approaching the one-year anniversary of his acquisition, and it's clear that that trade created a playoff-worthy defense core and keyed the Canucks' turnaround. 26-year-old sits tied for eighth in defenseman scoring with 41 points. He leads the league at plus 37, flawed stat and all. He's 32 even strength points or third in the league for defensemen. He ranks in the top 30 in shots and time on ice. He was a monster over the weekend against the Red Wings, his old team. And Washington, three points in Motown, got banged up but kept battling in D.C., then followed that up with two more points against Chicago on Tuesday. Many eyebrows were raised when the Canucks surrendered first and second round picks to acquire Roenick March 1st last year. The Bo Horvat trade, which procured that first round pick, was supposed to signal a rebuild. Remember that? Instead, Canucks management gambled they could fashion a quick turnaround and a contender, and Ronick is a major piece of it. Don't get me wrong. Bottom six, especially Teddy Bluger and the veteran additions on the blue line were important too, but Ronick's stance is most important. And minus that trade, we might well be suffering through another losing season. It's welcome after today. We invite your feedback, feedback channels as follows. On email live at scarcenprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. Twitter, at Sakaris and Price, at Matt Sakaris. Patrick Johnson covers the Canucks for the province and post media. He joins us on Thursdays. He's covering the wrong Canucks this week, though. He'll be out in Abbotsford. Yeah. Where were you in Abbey yesterday for Phil Kessel? I wasn't. Listen, I wasn't. He's not talking. <laughs> oh, we touched a nerve. He's coming up firing. <laughs> Did Coos no, go? Was, no. I talked to Jim Rutherford on the phone and got a very nice article. I saw on. that. I saw that. So why don't you take us through it? What were the big hits? Well, the usual question. You wake up, everybody, you know, first of all, ask PR, Abby PR. Is there any chance he's, Phil's talking today? No. And he's not, first of all, not under contract. So he can do what he wants. Second of all, it's the AHL. There's no rules. So if you were under contract, it's up to them. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't happening. So I'm like, well, how do I do the thing that nobody else is doing? Well, let's see if I can get the president on the line. And he's always... 
you know, he's proud of his team and he's ready to set the tone of what's going on. And um, so I thought about depth and yeah. what does Phil rep, Phil Kessel represent? Someone made a really good point to me this morning that, you know, as much as the vibes are fun, right? Like the vibes of the Kessel story is fun. But the reason why you even look at a player like this, and this is why the depth question is there in general, is is you Jeff Tamalini was in the top six in game seven in 2011, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so if, if, if worse comes to worse, and you have to fit somebody in on Elias Pettersson's wing. Who do you want, Phil Kessel or Linus Carlson? Right, like right. it's those kinds of questions. And you know, the funny thing was that person mentioned this to me was that that was actually something that kind of came up in our discussion. I didn't really play into it too big. Maybe I should have made a reference in the story in hindsight. But you know, Rutherford said, "Listen, part of what you do when you're looking at depth, absolutely, we look for depth, right? I've always done it because part of it is you game out, like what if." All the what ifs you can imagine. What if we have to replace this guy in the lineup? How can we patch things together? What if this person gets hurt? Who could actually fit in to a role of over and above even what we have now? You know, what what would your lineup look like this? And so, you know, that is why you look at a guy like Phil Kessel. Like he's like, listen, the guy's one. We need to see if he can play. We don't know if he can play. And you know, they're very. I think they, he was very honest, but I think they like they like the person. But, you know, it's he hasn't played since game four of round one last year. Um, he wasn't playing a ton. He did play an entire season for Vegas, though. He is the reigning uh, Ironman man in the NHL. Uh, but that's the question is. So if you're looking for depth, you know, it's not just it's not just a case of, you know, do we need a number eight? But could we pick up a guy who could slot in? You know, you look at that 2017 team, Rutherford traded for Mark Strite who played a bunch of games down the stretch and then played three games in the playoffs. Like you add guys it, because you are worried about the worst case scenario. That's and, the most, li- that that's the yeah. most likely scenario for sure. And that's wherever I think most sane people went. Is there a non-zero chance though, that he's going to be brought in to replace somebody that will be traded to <laughs> get depth for the, uh, for the, yeah. the defense core? Sure. That's possible. I mean, they have, about right now, as it stands, they have about $2.6 million in cap space to work with. And there's some yeah. decent defensemen. I mean, like if you look at a guy, guys they know well, like Chad Ruedel, who's obviously a pure depth guy in Pittsburgh and always been that he'd be cheap, but Justin Schultz say in Seattle, if Seattle decides they're out of it, um, he's on 3 million. So you'd have to you know get some retention there, but yeah, like there, there, there are players above that Chris Tanev, that if the price for retention is too much to pay, but if you can find a way to unload, I don't know how you would do this at this point. I don't think there's a whole lot they're trying to get rid of on this roster at this point. Um, but yeah, there, of course, there's a scenario if you get aggressive. I don't get the sense they're going to be overly aggressive at that kind of move. Okay. Uh, I do think the focus now is depth and that they're going to find yeah, Because in the end, right now, who's the number eight? It's Mark Friedman. Like he's, you know, like kind of nice season, but you'd like to think you can do better. You can find a guy that's got a little more experience, a little more perhaps reliable, a little more, a little more tooth to his game, you know, playoff mm-hmm. hockey, like Friedman's been fine, but do you need a guy that can fill in? If What happens if Nikita Zdorov gets suspended again? Things like that. You know, how do you fill out your roster? You love that Mark Strite example, huh? Yeah. But it stands out to me. I think three weeks running now. Boy, but it stands out to me. Sponsoring this. All right, fine. Ron Hainsey, right? But like, but like Ron Hainsey was picked up in 2016 and ends up becoming a key player for two seasons. Trevor Daly, like, like these are the points, right? Like he picked up guys who play, and then he picked up guys who didn't even end up playing for his team. Justin Schultz was another one. 
trivia for the two of you. You're right, Jeff Tambellini played in Game 7 in 2011. Two wingers played in that game and had less ice time than Jeff Tambellini. Who were they? Wow. Oh, my goodness. Two wingers for the Canucks well, in Mason, that game. Mason Raymond. Mason Raymond because he got hurt. Was that Game 7? No, 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 no. Played oh. in Game 7. Okay. And played less than Jeff Tambellini. Two wingers. Maxime Lapierre actually played less than Jeff Tambellini in that game, but he played down the middle. You're right. On the fourth line. Oh Who were his wingers? Yeah. Rafi Torres and no Torres no. was up lineup. Chris Higgins somehow? No. Chris was up lineup. Victor Oreskovich. Very good. Grady Sass. Oh, good one. He was in game seven. He played game no seven. They lost. He played he, five he had, minutes yeah. and 46 seconds. And then this next gentleman played eight minutes and 19 seconds. Uh, Alex Bolduc. I don't know. No. Tough guy. Also cerebral. Uh, Aaron Volpatti? No. no. Good, good shout, but I believe awesome. Volpatti came later. Yeah. Think Scrabble. Think Scrabble. Oh, Tanner Glass. Tanner Glass. Tanner Glass. Oh. Well done. Do you Never tell you they... my Tanner Glass. Uh, I no, I Tanner Glass's now wife was a student teacher at a class I was subbing for, like the next year, I think, or that spring. Anyway, mm. it was fun. It was but once again, that 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 that, that, that factoid that that uh, that factoid underscores depth yeah. and the importance of it. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure the fourth line and third line were better at you know game one of the playoffs that year. Mm-hmm. Well, this bottom six is. Potentially a lot better than the bottom six of the 2011 team. I, I you know, well, certainly better than Oreskovich. Uh, yeah, class yeah, Tambellini. Yeah, um, yeah. You see, you mentioned Tanif. Do you think they do their 2025 first rounder for Tanif? You know, I I was sitting there staring at the you know you look at that wonderful cat friendly page which has all the players and then it mm-hmm. has all the picks across the top, and I found myself looking at that and mm-hmm. I I. I think if if I I feel like if they're sitting there going Chris Tanev, I I think they think Chris Tanev is the kind of guy that would do exactly like would would take them to a next level, right? Like I th- I think that's the kind of trade they really want to make. Um, if he is the guy and the alternatives are simply just not anything close, um, I I I think they probably would look long and hard at it. I know they value they obviously recognize the value of a first round pick and a second round pick is massively bigger than third, four, five, six, seven. Right. Um, now, obviously trading away this year's first round pick where, you know, it's going to be like pick 30, as I've mentioned before, um, is a lot easier to stomach than the complete unknown that would be next year. Like what if they you take know? a step back next uh, year? and we should, know? we well, should clarify, like, yeah. Um, We'll see how they, far they go in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Like the final four draft spots are set by the conference. Right. Finals, but I'm still but, saying yeah. it's high 20s, right? You're yeah, going yeah. 26. Or yeah. If they finish, right? if they finish yeah. first overall, then um, if they fall short of the conference final, it comes in at pick what? Uh, 28. 28. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah. And so it kind of comes back. Yeah. What happens if they fall back? Like they are clearly going all in. Like we know this. So, and, and they know there is a lot of risk. There's a lot of contracts that they have of players who are not under contract for next year. Um, not just Elias Pettersson, but obviously mostly Elias Pettersson. And the roster next year is going to look very different. I mean, even this year, like you can take the lesson of what Rick Tockett's lineup looked like when he started 
just over a year ago. There are, what, 11 guys gone from that roster? Like, they've turned over a lot of players. Now, they haven't turned a lot of players over the top of the roster. They're probably going to have to do that for next year just because. Um, but, yeah, like, that that to me is the question. And I so I sit back. Like, it, that is the price. If you if Chris Tanev is so far over and above all the options in front of you and the price becomes next year's first round, like, you may just have to bite that bullet. Because that's a player I think that really does improve. And it's also keeping that player away from Edmonton, right? Like that's part of the equation, right? That, that that goes into all of this. It's not just what you can do, but it's keeping other teams from doing stuff. Just before we leave Kessel, um, is this in the bag that they're going to sign him? Or if he, so. does, if he no. doesn't look good here, like could they possibly just say thanks, but no thanks, Phil? I mean, I think as I said before, like there is, he is a sort of a plan C, Right. Like they 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 are giving them a skate. They're having a look. There are 31 other teams in the NHL. Whether he wanted to come only to Vancouver, I don't know, but I don't expect that's the case. I think the guy just wants to play. So <clears throat> there are a lot of good teams in this league who have said no, he's not up to it. I mean, the, the Stanley Cup winner in the end, in the end, said he wasn't up to it. There was a great interview by Luke Fox from Sportsnet. Um during the playoffs, during the Stanley Cup final, where he wrote about Phil Kessel, the healthy scratch. And it was all basically what a good culture guy he is. But Bruce Cassidy was very honest. He said, listen, I think Michael Amadio and uh, William Carey bring more to the table than Phil Kessel does at this point. And Phil Kessel had played, like I said, 82 games that year. They knew exactly what he was about. And he'd been fine. He put 36 points or something like that, right? Like he had not been a nothing player. But at this point in his career, he's a fourth liner who's going to help your power play out. Um, who's not going to, you know, you're kind of not the, you know, he's not what he was at all. Um, even in 2016, 17, he was a bit of, you know, he was playing with with Benino and Hagelin, right? A bit of you know, a soft minutes third line that did awesome. One of the great third lines, but had to be managed even then. And that's seven years ago. So, no, I don't think this is locked in 100%. I, I think it's highly likely it happens. Um, but, they're in, you know, he's got today, he practiced yesterday. Obviously, everyone, I think, seen the video by now. Um, practice today, practice tomorrow. They've got a couple games this weekend against Calgary. Then they go to California next week. You know, I, 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 I my guess would be, you know, you, you assign him to a PTO at some time in the next week so he can play some games. Um, you've got the deadline in three weeks. Um, you want to you want to have him secured on your roster if you are going to sign him because you're going to have to waive him to stash him in the minors because I assume that's going to be part of the story. But you sign um, him to an, you sign him to an AHL deal first, don't you, so that you can play him? Well, you need him on you need him on an NHL deal before the trade deadline, right? Because right. That's but yeah, yeah, yeah. But right yeah, now, so you have some time. Sign him. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. NHL oh, yeah, deal. yeah. You have a little. Yeah. yeah, you have some leeway, right? But you, yeah. you know, you have to have him on an NHL deal and on your your one of your 50 contracts by uh by march 8th right like that's that's mm -hmm. the only thing that we're looking like at. it's just there's a little risk for kessel to take an hl deal because then he's potentially in purgatory with no chance to sign with another elsewhere a, yeah. hl team but yeah. I, I hear what you're saying mm -hmm. I, and, and it does a seem hl like, ptos are a thing too so you yeah can do so that. i would yeah. think yeah, I, mean. I, yeah. I was yeah. thinking yeah. um speaking of getting the or keeping the bands together I was thinking about this yesterday. We asked uh, on our poll question, can they afford to keep that, this great third line together for next season with Bluger and Joshua being, uh, yeah. being UFAs. Do you remember that one deadline where late blooming Alex Burroughs 
had the screws put to him by management. Hey, yeah, we got a hell of a deal here for you. Or you can sign this four year, $8 million, $2 million per year contract. And Burroughs having never hit the jackpot yeah. as a professional hockey player bit. And it turned out to be maybe the great value contract in the NHL. Any chance they go to Joshua here before the deadline and see if uh, he's willing to, to bite? Yeah. I mean, I think if he's smart, he's just saying, yeah, I'll, you know, I'm going to see how things go in the summer. Like he's, he's having a great year. I, I absolutely, I think the Canucks would be saying, we would love to keep you around. Here's what we're thinking right now. I mean, they, I, I, I don't know how likely it is that he really would do that. Um, I think he, he likes it here. He's been, he's, he's, you know, I, I was saying to someone the other day, like selfishly from media standpoint, he's been one of the good ones this year. Like he's a really smart, you can tell he's comfortable. He feels good. Obviously he's playing great. Um, yeah. I think the Canucks, the Canucks I hope are being realistic on this one because you, you don't want to overpay for the person's first good season. And you know, you don't want to over that's the lesson forever that this team, you know, the past the past management team never learned was don't over don't overpay for the guys you really like. Overpay, you know, don't we shouldn't overpay for anyone, but pay for the things that actually are gonna help you win. And um those are the guys at the top of the lineup and guys in Joshua do get squeezed. So I, I could see it happening. I'm not sure it would, but you never know. It's a, it's a lot to ask. And he, you know, t- term is going to matter to him as well. So to Matt's point, if you overpay on term, you might be able to keep the number down a little bit, but you know, has that third line changed your opinion? Well, that, on, and that was the genius of yeah. the four year deal with Earls, right. right? Like sucker him in with the, with the term a little bit. Has the sheer amazingness of this third line changed just the overall outlook of them staying together for next year, the three of them? Well, it, it go back to the Kessel story, right? I mean, in many ways, Connor Garland's kind of the Phil Kessel of this line, right? Like he's the guy who's driving the offense. Benino was a good two-way player. Hagelin, good two, two-way player. I mean, the 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 way this has worked out, it, I think a lot about Patrick Alvin when he was telling us about Teddy Bluger last summer. And, oh, I think this guy could score 15 goals. I don't think Teddy Bluger's going to score 15 goals, but Teddy Bluger's had a very strong mm-hmm. two-way season, better than I think we possibly expected he would. Um and I think a lot of that is Connor Garland. I think Dakota Joshua really finding his way, uh, finding himself to the next step after the tough love from Talkit. Um, there's a lot in this line, and it's kept going. And there's not a lot in it, a lot, a lot about this line that tells you that it's an illusion. Like I think this is kind of real. They, they're very good in terms of puck possession. Obviously, the 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 the, the straightforward, straight ahead game that. Bluger and Joshua play with Garland doing all these wild things with the puck. I mean, as I as I wrote a month or two ago, like Joshua was saying, you guys really got to keep your stick on the ice with this guy. Um, it, it, it is something I'm sure it is something to keep together because you found something there, and that's it's a it's a it's something that is hard to find. And God knows we've seen this team struggle over the last decade trying to find a proper third line not just a center, but a proper third line. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think if you can keep this together, absolutely. But the, it, it, it is, it is at the same time, Connor Garland's making a lot of money and that's going to make it hard to devote 
much more money to this third mm-hmm. line. That's the other thing to think about is how yeah. are you how are you laying out your money? Obviously, you know, the cap goes up and Tyler Myers' contract's coming off the books, but there's also the OEL buyout going on there and you're going to have to hopefully find a raise for Elias Pettersson and Phil Peronek's obviously getting a big raise. Like, the, like it's not, it, the priority list is going to be that and then you're going to see what's left to deal with a guy like Dakota Joshua. Okay, lastly, do you anticipate answer or poll? Do you anticipate bad blood? Will there be vengeance at Rogers no. Arena tonight? Get real. No. No, it wasn't. I mean, I don't, obviously, I wasn't there. Um, there weren't many reporters there on Saturday to ask about what happened, but I don't, I, it's just, if they had done something, maybe, but like, I just, it's, they want to win the game, right? Like they, they, their coach, Rick Tockett will be telling them guys, let's win the game and let's focus on how we play. Let's forget about how they're celebrating goals. I think it's that simple. No, there's not going to be nothing tonight. Well, of course, it could go the other way, right? Like the Raymond hit, you know, the hit from Sidorov on Raymond. They might still be uh, sure. sore. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Right. If we're talking about that, sure. I think there could be there could be something about that. Sure. Zadorov's first game back, but I don't think. That... Flipped him. Flipped him just like that. Are you covering this game, Peach? Well, no. I mean, <laughs> sorry. I thought you. No, no. No, no, no. Hold on. No, here tonight? no, because. Sorry. Everybody's been talking about the nonsense in Ottawa. That's what I thought you were asking about. I oh, about okay. Sorry. That's what I thought the specific right. question was. About. Yeah, right. sure. The Zadorov stuff. Absolutely. But I, it, mm-hmm. sorry. I thought you meant in terms of response to the post game celebration. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 we sort of meant that. We also sort of meant okay. the hit on. Uh, yeah, I mean, which was not a good one and a deserving no, it a bad suspension. Hit. Yeah, <laughs> but it at some point, he, he, the guy got suspended. You know, yeah. there was. Well, yeah, but that doesn't always, as we. No, the guy got suspended, but my feelings are still hurt. Is yeah. That, yeah. Oh, yeah, that still happens. Sure. <laughs> Hockey player feelings. Yeah, it's a big thing. You know, they're complicated. They don't manage them they, well. Yeah. No, they no. bruise easily. Just talk about it, guys. I, I, I don't, yeah. I mean, it's an aura of sure. It, mm-hmm. I don't. You know, it, they're they're very well could be something he you know he'll have to quote. Raymond took a second hit in that game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, poor guy was being ragdolled. All right, Peach, great <laughs> stuff. Okay, uh, thanks for being a good sport. We'll catch up next <laughs> Thursday. Take care. Here's some price from Wall Center presentation. Applewood Auto Group. Applewood GM in Port Hardy. Not next door to everybody, but you can give them a call and you'll want to. And you find out that the 2024 Sierra 1500 can be financed from 0.99% on select trims. You got it. You can picture yourself behind the wheel of that Sierra 1500 right now. Give them a call. Applewood GM in Port Hardy. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question today. Will there be vengeance in tonight's Canucks Red Wings game? Yes or no? You can vote at Secure Price. Twitter, YouTube. Speaking of, hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter.com. Blake Price, lead us off. At the real J.J. Adams. Well, it looks like the expected goals Whitecaps won't have to worry about any more CONCACAF games. 3-0 Tigris over Vancouver Whitecaps FC, who have squandered many a chance tonight. Yes, the run is over. Tigris once again. Boy, these 
Guys on Tigris have really been a thorn in the side of the Whitecaps. Well, I, I was going to say, it's almost like those big Mexican clubs are still better than middle of the pack MLS but, clubs. But you know, the unfortunate part is they haven't been even like in, in, this, in this leg. Um, Whitecaps should have won both games. They, they, and they had them through a game and a half, pretty damn worried, I think. And that's all considering they didn't have a home match in their own stadium at BC Place. Um, but. Tigris were terrible in last night's match to start. Whitecaps should have been up 2-0 after 10 minutes. Hmm. Krylak with his left foot, I don't know what he was doing there. Um, and numerous other chances. Uh, Matias Laborde with the header, you know, just wide of the post. Uh, it, was, it was right there for the taking. And, you know, that was game two of the season for the Whitecaps. It was well past the halfway mark of the season for Tigris. So it's uh, no surprise that they look better. Uh, of course, the Whitecaps missing three starters on the first leg, two starters last night. Um, all in all, I think what, what happened, it, it was Vitae last night? Well, still missing Sam Adekubi. Still missing... Um, what's my... Uh, missing that on there. Ali Ahmed, there you go. Mm -hmm. And then, yes, you really didn't have Vitae either. Yeah. So two and a half starters missing. Um, but they've had competitive games now. So that's the good news, is that well, going into game one of the MLS season... They've already revved the motor, which they've, is really good. They've played they played the four exhibitions in Europe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. The two against Tigris. I believe they have another preseason game, if I'm not I think they're wedging one more mistake. I think yeah. it's San Jose. And then March second, everybody, the home and season opener at BC Place against Charlotte. So right around the corner here from the start of another Whitecaps FC season. Looking forward to it. At Nuclear Golf, Sunday Red. Tiger Woods on what happens with his iconic TW, you know, the interlocking TW mm -hmm. logo after parting ways with Nike. And if he gets it back, he says, no, we don't. I don't want it back. I moved on. This is a transition in my life. I moved on to Sunday Red, and we're looking forward to building a brand that elicits excitement and is transformative. So there you go. Not it, nostalgic. Here's the problem, Tiger. It's shitty. Yeah. <laughs> so if you haven't seen this Sunday Red, and if you're sitting there going, why the hell is Sakara saying it like that? It's three words, not two. Sun, day, red. Mm -hmm. The logo is a bunch of squiggly lines that kind of look like a pouncing tiger. Yeah. I got to say, and I'm by no means an aesthetics or graphics expert, but I was, uh, was a little underwhelmed. It's a freaking tiger. You know how many cool things you can do with a, with tiger? a tiger? And um, you were telling me there's a story about why they separated sun and day. Uh, credit to Pat McAfee for, for this. Uh, I can't believe that sentence came out of my mouth. Um, but uh, At Pat McAfee. The... Um, Marketing team apparently mm -hmm. at Sunday Red decided or came up with some sort of reporting that three words, yes, is uh, what the human mind likes to glom onto and sets of threes is a, is a thing for sure. We were taught that in journalism school. Yeah. Yep, in storytelling, it absolutely is. But and in and in terms of slogan, yeah, I could buy into that too. 
but your actual brand, you think about the top brands in the world today. They're one word. And McAfee ran off the list. Amazon. Apple. Microsoft. Nike. Like, they're, they're all one Coca-Cola's word. Coca-Cola's hyphenated. Sikaris and Price is two. Well, it's three, actually. And, and. is a word. Yeah. But isn't and a symbol? Well, in our case, it is. Yeah, yeah. Canucks Army is one word. But that's for legal purposes. <laughs> Justin Thomas, Gary Woodland, or Tigers playing partners here at the Genesis Invitational, the tournament that he hosts at LA's iconic Riviera Golf Club, and uh, he birdied the first hole and he bogeyed the second. Best of luck to Tiger. Honestly, it's good to see him back on the uh, on the course. And I have another golf one if I can follow. Sure, up. Did yeah. You see yeah. this at Tim Brando, CBS announcer Vern Lundquist to retire after broadcasting his final Masters in. April, you can argue that Vern Lundquist has the two most iconic calls in golf history, both of them at Augusta, 86, Jack, 46 years old, back nine charge, yes, sir. Now, stolen from Ben Wright, who had used it earlier in the broadcast, if you've ever seen the documentaries on Jack winning in 86, Lundquist says, I don't know what came over me. But I can't say for sure it was imitation. I can't say for sure it was copying. It was could well have been uh, um, subliminal. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, subconscious. But his yes sir wound up taking on bigger life than Ben Wright's yes sir. Of course, it was later in the round. And then, of course, Tiger at 16 and the ball that just drops so with the Nike logo and in your life. Have you ever seen anything like that? Nance was better than most. Is that right? No, that was um, oh, no. the NBC guy, but not Dan Hicks. Uh, was it Rolf? No, it's I don't think it's really Rolfing. Hold on, give me a second. That was that's maybe the only other one that sort of stands out. And, t- and Tigers, w- Tigers win. Gary uh, Gary Coke was better than most. Oh, really? Yeah. TPC uh, Sawgrass. Tigers first. You know the twelve shot win at, at the Masters. That, who's that? That's Nance, I guess. Eh. The win for the ages? Yeah. 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 Good calls. All of them good calls. Well, Vern, the master. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, legendary voices. Mm-hmm. But, hey, guys are allowed to retire. FC, at FC Byron EN, Alfonso Davies. Spoken wistfully. Yes. Alfonso Davies is back running for the first time since his knee injury. Good to see you again, Fonzie. Mm. Um, uh, hey, Byron needs him back because... They're losing these days. Thomas Tuchel's already got 10 losses. He's got the same amount of losses as Nagelsmann had in over 80 starts. Tuchel's not even past the 50 mark. Um, so they want Fonzie back. But we need him back for Canada for that big uh, match in late March against Trinidad and Tobago. So this is good. If he's already running on that knee now on Feb 15th, I think Canada's going to get him. So that's a good development. Lastly from me... At Jazzery Football, JPA Football. The Titans are the most drunk fan base in the entire NHL, NFL based on blood alcohol. Blood al- yeah, seriously. Have you been How to Tennessee? Fitting. Have you been to the. Just come back from a Titans right? game? Are you drunk right now? Based on blood alcohol content. There you go. Thank you. Guy's R- been getting into the yellow dogs. Readings done by backtrack. And we have a, a full fridge of Yellow Dog, thanks to Brad and Dan here yesterday, dropping off. Won't be full for long. Backtrack, who has a breathalyzer app, 
was able to acquire data from over 28,000 tests and then match each anonymous observation to their NFL team to determine the fans that drank the most. Now, two teams didn't rate here. I guess they didn't get data from Jacksonville and from New York's Jets and New York Jets fans. You look at this list and like the Bills are way down the list. Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, Atlanta, New Orleans, Miami. Seahawks 13th, 0.73% blood alcohol. <laughs> I don't know how to analyze this. Bills are all the way down at 0.065%. Surprising. You're telling me they're sober jumping through these fire tables? Matt, I'm gonna I'm gonna doubt the science here. I I don't I don't want to doubt the science, but I'm gonna have to doubt the science. And uh, Kansas City fans were the uh, most sober. Players, not so much. This is fans. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) I'm still trying to figure out what Travis Kelsey said. Yeah. Did you see Chris Jones? He tweets, he loves Kansas City, couldn't imagine playing anywhere else. I'll be back guaranteed next year. His agent quote tweeted him, uh, bartender, please cut him off. (laughs) He's the big free agent this year. Okay. Uh, Final one for me, at The Athletic. Not only are rival executives increasingly convinced that LeBron James might want out, they're focused on the Bronny James factor that continues to loom large. So what are the Lakers going to do about it? Sam Amick uh, quoted, the Lakers, per the high-ranking team source, are willing to explore the notion of adding Bronny James next season. This stance, the source said, is rooted in the reality that James's happiness truly matters to this organization. So they're going to draft Bronny just to keep LeBron, or are other teams going to draft Bronny first to try to lure LeBron? Gosh, I watched a USC game last week with Bronny, and... Uh... He did not look like an NBA lottery pick to me. No. Maybe in the first round because it's such a crapshoot in the basketball draft anyways, and this is not particularly viewed as a good one. Who's uh, who's the old nemesis for um, Stephen A? Um, Skip Bayless. Um, he was saying he thinks he is an NBA player for sure. But, hey. but, like, but you're right. Lottery is supposed to be a different cut. So... Well, if we mean NBA player in that he could make a squad of 12 or 13 and sit deep down the bench, I think, he, I think his words were help an NBA team. Oh, okay. Well, teaches oh, let's skip on that one. And that's hashtags for today. Bob Williams is the national sports editor of the Daily Hive and its offside sports vertical offshoot. Rob, the hockey guy on Twitter, he joins us on Thursdays. How are you? Doing great, gentlemen. I've got uh, Phil Kessel fever here, like the, the rest of the uh, the city. And that story covered by the Daily Hive in ways that, you know, no one else can pull off uh, the fervor over like Costco really trended in Vancouver because people were excited about the proximity of the hot dogs for Phil. You guys, I love everything about I, I'm not sure Phil Kessel can play. That's my only part. Like the 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 hockey guy in me is like, I don't know if he can still play. 
I don't know if you can still help. The but Canucks. the national sports editor in you is very excited about the this. content. I am like so excited about the content possibilities of Phil Kessel being a Vancouver Canuck. Uh, and it began right away with, first of all, with Canucks Twitter breaking the story and having a photo online. Like that was just chef's kiss. And in the immediate aftermath, Costco trending on Twitter in British Columbia. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, I, there, there was a Reddit thread and I did a story on it a couple of years ago. It's one of my favorite Costco ones. proximities. Yeah. Yeah. The proximity yeah. of every NHL arena to a Costco. People just loved, loved it for whatever reason. I don't know why it was pandemic times. So maybe just, we were all getting a little wild and crazy, but uh, yeah, uh, the glee for me when, when I saw that Costco is trending because of Phil Kessel and of course, the dollar fifty Costco hot dog stand could not be any closer to Rogers Arena. And then I went down a rabbit hole revisiting all the old uh, Phil Kessel hot dog stories and and his callback when he won the Stanley Cup and he put the hot dogs in the cup. Everything Crazy. about it, um, yeah. it, it, it's been a lot of fun uh, the last forty eight hours. I had one a week ago Wednesday. Did you? Yes. Nice. My first one in years, and uh, I got to say, I. I'll hand it to Costco. I was expecting like a lot of things. I don't think I've had one since the pandemic that, you know, uh, people are on the look at now consumer affairs reporters, fewer Doritos in the Doritos bags, like fewer cookies. That was still a robust yeah, good. hot dog. Good. I mean, it is a sizable hot dog for a dollar. It's a loss cent. leader. They're not trying to make money mm -hmm. off you there. So, And they've said multiple times they ain't changing that price. Well, yeah. and I, what I, the other thing I love about it, the last time I went, you had to line up the uh, self-serve kiosk now and just wait for your number. Brilliant. I was like 45 seconds and I had my really? meal. It was incredible. Mm. Lots to like there. Costco, uh, call us. Uh, free advertisements <laughs> will be ending soon. Mm -hmm. um, the Zabruder film from YVR didn't show us much about the physique, but um, what did you make of the actual footage from Abbey practice? Do you, you, you have confidence he'll be a Vancouver Canuck? I, I mean, I think it's probably a, a done deal unless he just absolutely can't play. But, like, I, you know, he's gassed in his first practice. Of course he's gassed in his first practice. He hasn't mm -hmm. played in 10 months. Um, yeah, the, the part, the part for me that, that, that I, I just, I, I get flashbacks to like Nat Sundin. Remember when he joined the team and he, he was, was gassed bit, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was gassed for, for weeks. Yes. Right? It was, he kind of picked it up in the playoffs, but like his first few games, you're like, wow, this guy, like he is really out of shape. And mm -hmm. that was, now he was a couple years older than Kessel is now, and, but also he joined earlier in the season. He joined in January of that year, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is getting late in the year for, for Kessel to be parachuted into the lineup. So I, I do have my reservations about that. You know, if he hadn't already played for Tockett, if, if they didn't know him so well, I would say absolutely this is a terrible fit because what is Kessel? Is he a top six player at this stage of his career? Seems unlikely. Even if he is a top six player, like, they just shipped out Andre Kuzmenko because he wouldn't forecheck and he wouldn't play talk at style. Kessel doesn't scream the type of like, like he doesn't seem to be like a talk at type of player, except for the fact that we already know that talk is the Kessel whisperer. That's mm -hmm. the, so that's the, sort of the, the fascinating part in this where I, I feel like this makes no sense except 
for the fact that they've won in Pittsburgh before and they know each other well. Okay. Um, I filed the column to you yesterday for the Daily Hive on just trying with Petey. What do you think? Offensive player, trying with Petey, and my feelings won't be hurt if you poo-poo the idea. <laughs> I mean, it's worth a shot. I, I guess it's. I guess all of this is. It's worth a shot. My only, my only concern is: is it hard to bench him? Is it hard to put him in the press box? Does that become a, a bit of a distraction? Are you now? bumping Nils Hoaglander down the lineup. Like I, I hear everyone talking about how, you know, Kessel scored 14 goals last year and maybe he could fit in the, in the top six. Hoaglander has 17 right now, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, so are you bumping down a guy like, like Hoaglander who's gotten, who's had all of his points on, uh, at even strengths because you've got Phil Kessel in the lineup and you and you're trying to shoehorn him into places. If you feel I, I don't think benching him's an issue, Robert. Yeah. Everybody says that he's just a fabulous teammate and and will toe the line. I guess so. Yeah. I, I guess I just wonder like it does it just become a bit of a distraction for the coaching staff? Are they or do they if they you know feel totally comfortable just like taking him out of the lineup, putting him in whenever they want, or are they going to be like, okay, we need to work with him here. He needs to work his way back into shape. We need to do this and that and the other. So that that's maybe my 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 only concern, but yeah, like in theory, if you have him, you know, around and he works out, great. You maybe have this like this X factor in the playoffs that that you add this this offensive threat to your lineup, and maybe someone who's good in the room, maybe someone. I the, the one thing I can I can see is that X factor, like being good in the room. I, I heard. Uh, Frank Corrado with you guys yesterday talking about Kessel and everyone seems to say what a, what a great teammate he is. And, you know, you hear about, that was one of the things that Talkett has said in the past about how this te- Canucks team's a little bit quiet. So I wonder, you know, do you add someone into the room that gives them a little bit more swagger and a little bit more confidence? Um, you know, a guy that's been there and done that and maybe, maybe just to, to, to a small degree helps the the confidence of, of the other guys in the room because they know they got, Fill the thrill, uh, you know, keeping the, the the room light before a big game. Forgive me, Rob. I, I did not um <clears throat> I did not see your Mark Messier interview of the last week. Was this a one on one with you and Mess on video conference? Is that Daily Hive exclusive, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was it He was, must uh... have been thrilled when he saw, <laughs> oh, Vancouver. <laughs> I don't know if he knew I was coming in from Vancouver or not. So full disclosure, this is a uh, this is through a PR uh, campaign with 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 uh, Lay's potato chips. Uh, they had a, a new ad that dropped for the Super Bowl, so that's the, that's kind of how this came. So this is on the the Lay's media tour. Um, so I don't know if he knew I was coming in from Vancouver or not. So I, I don't know if I if I caught him off off guard or not. But um, you know, you you get only so many questions in, in an interview of, of this type, but I mean, honestly, all I really wanted to know was about his time in Vancouver. So um, got a few questions in about Vancouver, asked him about his time here. I, I saw a few people took issue that he, he described like coming to Vancouver, like the expectations were a Stanley cup within like publicly, but he was saying, you know, the reality was it was a full rebuild. You know, I, I, I think there's, there's different, different ways to look at, at what he meant by, by that quote, because of course it, they weren't, they the, the full rebuild began after he, he got here, right? Like people thought that 
he was coming here to win. So I don't think anyone thought it was going to be a rebuild, but of course that's what it was. And I do, I, to, to be fair to the situation, like I think the expectations going into that first Messier season were completely unrealistic. They had some high end talent, but not unlike maybe some teams of the recent past in Vancouver, they had the high end talent, but like they didn't have any sort of structure Kirk McLean wasn't a starting goalie at that stage of his career. I think that he was kind of hanging on there. Their defense was in shambles. They didn't have much depth. So uh, to be to be fair to that situation, it was you know I, I think that that was a difficult situation. But I also don't think that Messier helped matters by the way he came in. And the uh, the goalies that year, by the way, Urbe, Snow, Burke, McLean, and Hirsch. All of those goalies played in the Canucks. Like those are all certified national hockey league goalies. They yeah. had five of them. There's like, that's unbelievable, but you're right. They had McGillney. They had Burray. They had an early Nasland, Lume, Olin, Hedekin still. I mean, it doesn't sound like a rebuilding team per se. No. I, I mean, some of those I think were names that were like at the end of their careers. Sure. Right. Yeah. But yeah, no, it, it definitely what I don't think anyone in the organization thought we are rebuilding when they brought Mark Messier. In. Like that no, was, no. it would yeah. just be, I think it became clear after a few months. Okay. This is not, this is not a team that's, that's going to be able to win. And, and of course, when they put Mike Keenan in charge, he started shipping everyone out the door. Um, so yeah, it was, I, I, the one other tidbit that I thought was interesting from the interview is, is Messier mentioned that, that a, a bunch of players from that, those teams still call him to this day to, to, uh, I guess, say how thankful they were to, about his, the time <laughs> that they were teammates. I don't, that's what he said. Very Trumpian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody says, sir, you're amazing. So I, I did think it was interesting that he brought it up. So take that with with it how you may. But, um, you know, that's what he said. And and then, again, just to, you know, play devil's advocate here, you know, Marcus Naslin has gone on the record before in saying, you know, that Messier did help did help him and, and, uh, and his teammates out. Uh, so I did, I did a bit of research beforehand, kind of going down memory lane about like what's already been said and, and, and what's out there. And Naslin brought that up in an interview, a television interview on after hours, you know, not unprompted. So I, I do think that there, we, we do need to think of some validity into that. Uh, this sounds like I'm like the biggest Mark Messier fan in the world, but like, you know, guys like I, I like everyone else that, that was in Vancouver during that time. I don't remember, uh, his time in Vancouver fondly. Another thing that I thought was interesting from the interview was that he kind of talked about the the thing that he'd changed, like the thing that he wished he hadn't done when he came to Vancouver, and that was taking the C from Linden. If he had done it differently, he he you know if he got a do over, he would he would not have taken the C uh, right from the get go. And and he you know effectively I think confirmed what had been reported was that you know there's there are, you know, there was a split. There was, there were people that were loyal to Linden. And um, so I, I don't know if it would, I don't think it would have gone yeah. over much better if you, if he had came in as a, a, not as the captain, I think that there was always going to be a split in the room, but um, that's what he said. He said, he has said that before with regards to the C and Trevor. And when he did say it, and this was probably seven, eight years ago, whenever it was, I believe Trevor was working for the Canucks at the time. And I picked up on it from whatever interview he did. And I sent Trevor a text saying, 
Messier says he regrets taking the C from you. And Trevor's response was, well, it took him long enough. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of good it'll do now. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so Rob, yeah. in 25 years, when you have the biggest sports presentation in the country, Blake and I are expecting routine thank you calls, all right, from this team that we've forged. <laughs> Absolutely. Until next Thursday. Thanks, guys. Sakaris Price Wall Center presentation Applewood Auto Group. Text us 778-402-9680. Football. BC Lions not done their free agent shopping in the Canadian Football League. Siante Evans has won a couple of Grey Cups, including with the Montreal Alouettes just this past November, has twice been a CFL West All-Star defensive back, 31 years old. He's an uber vet. He's been in the league for 10 years here and with TJ Lee, of course, out for the beginning of the season with that Achilles injury. This is a guy I'm sure that Ryan Phillips feels good about because you can trust, you know, coaching up those CFL DBs uh, for the first time. A lot of room out there. It takes a little while. And and RP was telling me last year in November that, you know, really there's consensus now around the league and with coordinators that if you want to win, you better have experienced defensive backs. That if you want to, you know, groom guys over the course of the year, great. Just understand you're going to lose a lot of games early in the season. So uh, BC staying busy on the free agent front. Then the... Then the Kansas City and the parade for the Super Bowl champion Chiefs did not go football well. and, and guns. You know, all coming together. Um, one dead, twenty-two shot, eleven children, three people apprehended, two of them juveniles. Reporting for me in Rappaport of NFL Network saying a. Uh, Disputes, personal disputes well, that spilled that. over. Yeah. Uh, victims range in age from 8 to 47 years old. Eight were in critical condition, seven in serious condition, six with minor injuries. Um, the critical patients were transported off scene within 10 minutes. What a sensational job by the first responders and by some of those lay fans. The civilians, oh my gosh. ran the, down the footage. one of the shooters. Oh. D- and tackled dis- disarmed them. Yeah. The, uh, the husband-wife team. Wow. Husband wow. jumped on them. Wife picks up the gun. Honestly, whatever the highest honor is in the state of Missouri, give it to that couple. The guy says he tackled them. He yelled, F that gun. <laughs> Punched him in the ribs. He says it was great, quote unquote, America stuff. And like, this is this is what is deemed America stuff. Personally disarming, yeah, mass shooters. Uh, apparently, many of the Kansas City players were also near the scene, and they're comforting fans. There's a great story about Trey Smith, their offensive guard, going over and seeing a young man and sitting down with him and basically trying to calm him down, distract him Yeah, from what I'm sure was a traumatic observation for a young person. Of course, there was a shooting at the Toronto Raptors parade a number of years ago. Honestly, Blake, when I saw the other day that Taylor Swift was not going to attend the parade, 
I my first thought was the entire security apparatus of this thing must be absolutely delighted. Totally. Totally. Because it is the assignment from hell if you're a police officer or in the security field. You have hundreds of thousands, maybe a million people yesterday on the street of Kansas City. Um, well over 800 uniformed police officers, though. You would have thought well, that would be enough. Good guy with but, a gun and all, you know. But it's just so incredibly difficult to monitor all the activities of a million people mm-hmm. in tight quarters. So when shots ring out, there are a lot of innocent bystanders there in proximity. The uh, person who died, Lisa Lopez, she was a Kansas City area radio DJ, 43 years old. Yeah. Really sad. Really, um, really sad. And, uh, I mean, these parades are such an expression of civic joy that you want them to go forward. But goodness gracious, how terrifying. Yeah. Um, this leftover from the game itself on Sunday, everybody talking about the strategic error of Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers to take the ball first in overtime. Mm-hmm. There's no instant victory in the playoffs. We changed that rule on account of Buffalo, who complained that they never saw the ball against Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs a couple of years back. Fair enough. Each team gets a possession, so you can't win it on the first on the so first you're touch. handing the ball to Mahomes with the potential last possession. And four downs. Yes. You know, like Mahomes knows he's getting four downs yeah. if he needs the touchdown. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Kansas City knows what it has to do, which is if you don't score, then Kansas City can get into field goal range and yeah. line it up. Travis Kelsey says the head official asked Fred Warner, 49ers defensive captain, who called the toss, if he was sure San Francisco wanted to receive. Now, I didn't hear that on the video. But needless to say, as soon as San Francisco said, give us the ball, everybody on the Chiefs' sideline went, all right, it's good for us. And then perhaps to deflect, and look, I'm a huge Kyle Shanahan fan. I think he's a great coach, a superior player play caller, I think he's going to have a long and illustrious history, much like his dad as a head coach in the NFL. But they fired their defensive coordinator yesterday. Like, it wasn't him. No. I mean, Steve Wilkes, poor guy watches Dre Greenlaw crumble to the ground, get hurt, and leave the game running onto the field. And if you'll notice the reaction of 49ers players, including Fred Warner, the aforementioned, hands on head, couldn't believe the bad turn of bad luck. That Kansas City team held without a touchdown until two and a half minutes remained in the third quarter. So now he's out of a job, and every other defensive coordinator position in the NFL is filled. Yeah, bad timing. They did not play well in the NFC Championship game against Detroit. Everybody recognized that. I think it was the number three scoring defense in the league over the course of the year, though. And they lost a, a, a Pro Bowl safety midway through. So, but they were pretty good. Wow, um, that's a it's a bit of a head scratcher uh, from Shanahan, and I certainly hope that Wilkes didn't walk the plank to deflect from some of the 
mistakes made by yeah. Shanahan. Is it, is it a case of there? somebody's head needs to roll for right. this, and so we're going to do that? But, I mean, you, you lose in overtime of the Super Honestly. Bowl. Do you actually need heads to roll? You lost in overtime of the Super Bowl. You had a really good season. It's a little weird. Poll question results from Wednesday. We asked you, should the Canucks find, sign Phil Kessel? Uh, 2,000 votes on this, Blake. Yes or no, what do the people say? Uh, yes. Percentage? 78. 63. Oh, more tepid. I, I'm not sure the market is as uh, gung-ho about this. Well, I think they're worried that he'll be leaned on. Maybe that's the worry. Yeah. I'm not going to get leaned on. Not unless things go really wrong injury-wise. Right. Uh, Polish. He's a found money player with veteran experience that can provide some offensive upside to the bottom six. He can play top six if needed. There's an almost nil risk factor in putting pen to paper. Charlie. Matt Sundin 2.0. Colin. It looks desperate. There has to be better options. If Mr. Kessel is so important, why did no one sign him before? Lots on depends on the price. Uh, Jacob, purely for the vibes. (laughs) (laughs) And um, uh, a lot of hot dog jokes as well, as we went over with Rob Williams. Okay. You don't want to do the other poll? Oh, do you have the other poll handy? Do you want to do that? Second poll results not reported. Bad. Will the Canucks third line bracket Joshua and Bluger as pending UFAs be too expensive to right. keep together next season? Blake, what did the people say? Yes. Percentage? 80. No, 68. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that one's a little less surprising to be in the 60s, but still would have thought a little bit more. This is on YouTube. Top comment from the Night Rider. Got to find a way. They've been so good this year. Fingers crossed Rutherford and Albine can convince them into team-friendly contracts in the hunt for a cup. It's a bit ambitious. 71% on Twitter, by the way, for that one. I did not have an error or omission on yesterday's program. That you're aware of. I'm just saying. I'm just I didn't saying. note it. I didn't note anything down, but that doesn't mean there wasn't errors or omissions. Do you have anything? Got nothing. I don't, but I wouldn't put it past the what do we call them? Sticklers. Mm-hmm. Colin and planning. Yerky. Hassan. Mm-hmm. I don't see anything. All there. right. Good stuff. Perfect show. As opposed to this segment, which was anything but. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Please subscribe to us. Rankwide Vancouver Connects Conversation wherever you get your podcast. Follow on social, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. We're live daily, YouTube, 1130 a.m. Pacific. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.